on resolutions, where we talked about making New Year's resolutions, and, and there are New Year's resolutions that focus on yourself, you know, kind of eating healthier and, and uh, exercising, and, and those are good things, but they're not great things. Or maybe I should, I should say it better, they're good things, but not eternal things. And so we talked about making eternal resolutions, resolutions that make a difference forever. And we talked about it with three main questions. First was, what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? And second was, well, who's doing something about it? And the third question was, how can you help? How can you play a part? And that was the series we walked through for the past uh, last four weeks. But as we were going through that series, it, it, came, it occurred to me that maybe for, for some of you, maybe for lots of you, when you thought about what breaks your heart, your answer was, well, I'm not sure because my heart's already broken. And there's no room for it to be broken by anything else or someone else or something else. And if that's you today, we're going to talk about that today. And to start us off, I want to ask you this question. Raise your hand if you have a two-car garage. Okay, good, good, good. Raise your hand if you actually have two cars in said two-car garage. We've got like three, four, all right, congratulations. That's impressive. So this past year, our family began this kind of remodeling project, and I had this great idea that I was going to be the, do it myself. And what I should have done was taken a hammer and just hit myself over the head with it a couple times because it would have been quicker and less painful to just do that and then you know, hire someone who knows what they're doing instead of trying to do it myself. So for about a year and a half, we had stuff in the garage. And you needed like rock climbing equipment just to move from one side of the garage to the other side of the garage because you need like walk it over this, and climb it over this, and, and be like, and I was half the, I would spend an hour just looking for tools, just to start the project, because the garage was so bad, and then I figured out how to clean I convinced Dave Sharp that he should work on his basement and remodel his basement, so I gave him all my junk that I didn't need anymore, and now his garage looks like my garage used to look but it's still, it's still a mess. It's not bad. But it's a two-car garage, and I fit one car in there. And, and my wife, who could organize an invasion of Normandy, has got it organized pretty well. But I'll tell you this. I keep the garage door closed. I don't want anyone seeing my mess. And if you were to ask me, do you have a two-car garage? I'd say, yes, I do, but I really don't. I have a one-car garage and a ton of mess. We don't like people to see our mess. We don't. We hide the mess. We close the door. We put it aside. We kind of shelter it. We don't like people seeing our mess. If someone asks you, how are you doing today? And you say, Fine. Even though behind the door, it's a mess. None of us is like Norm from Cheers. Remember Norm from Cheers? How's it going, Norm? And he always told you how it was going. How's it going, Norm? He'd say, like, I'm on top of the world. 
It's a cold, dismal spot in Greenland. <laughs> we don't talk about the messes in our lives. We just don't. And so to avoid uh, talking about the mess in our lives, or to avoid addressing the mess, there are a couple strategies we often use to avoid it. And one of them is to find someone who's messier. And you know that person, right? Because you look at that person and you say, man, that person, he or she is a hot mess. That person is a hot mess. How many of you know the Kardashians? Yeah, you can't. Well, you don't know them personally, right? But you see the pictures? You see that, that thing on the, you go to like a news site and there's a click right there. And, oh, they did this today. Oh, they did that today. And what are they famous for? What are they are famous for doing? Nothing. Exactly right. They're famous for nothing. They don't, they're not actors or actresses. They don't sing or dance or athletes or, or successful. They just don't do anything. And yet, magazines put them on their covers all the time. You know why? Because those magazines sell. Those magazines sell more often when there's a Kardashian on the cover than somebody else. So they keep putting them on the cover. You go to like Yahoo News or some other news site and there's some, some, something there about Kardashians and it gets more clicks than most of the other things on the page. Here's my theory. The Kardashians are the court jesters of America. It's true. They're the court jesters of America. And people look at that and go, oh man, that is a hot mess. I gotta check that out. Click. <laughs> if I click on their hot mess, I don't have to worry about my hot mess. I can avoid me. And I'll tell you this, I don't think they get paid enough. Because that's a horrible job. So sometimes we, we, we avoid the mess by some, finding someone worse. And other times we avoid it by just, you know, just denying it. I don't, I don't have a problem. You don't. Or maybe we'll minimize it. I do have a problem. It's not that bad. Or maybe we'll just accept it. It's how I am. It's not going to change. I'm not going to change. It's just the way it is. But deep down, we know it's a hot mess. And here's what we learn from God's Word. We are all, each and every one of us, a hot mess. It's true. My mess is different from your mess. But we're all a mess. Because we're broken in every way. We're broken physically. We're broken spiritually, we're broken emotionally, we're broken sexually, we're broken mentally. We are. Someone in your business or your office gets a promotion or recognized, and the part, part of you is happy for that person, but another, another part of you that's like, it should have been me. should have been me. And deep down, we're a hot mess. Sometimes it's addictions. It's drug. It's alcohol, it's pornography, it's gambling. It's a hot mess. Sometimes it's uh, esteem issues. It's people pleasing. Some of you 
will get asked to do something and you will say yes to everything <laughs> because you want that person to like you. It's a workaholic. Now, I'm going to work so hard. I'm going to achieve. I'm going to do good things. I'm going to work hard and hard. I'm going to sacrifice my family on the altar of my self-esteem. For some of you, it's, it's the comparison game. Some of you, it's, it's just pride. It's gossip. Some of you, it's spiritual issues. You put yourself before God and others, and you worship a God made in your own image because that God's controllable and predictable. Some of you elevate something or someone else to the position of God, and that's where you find your source of security and comfort and maybe even purpose in life. Some of you have heart issues, that your hearts are restless, and it's only a restlessness that God can fill, but you're looking for other people or things to satisfy that restlessness, and you're just searching and searching and searching. We're all hot messes. And so I want to share with you some people that Jesus met. And these folks are in the Bible, and they were all, each and every one of them, a hot mess. And the first one I want to introduce you to is what we call the woman caught in adultery. So it's in the Gospel of John. And Jesus is in this village. And they bring to him, it says in the text, a woman caught in the act of adultery. Right? This is a hot mess. And they bring her to Jesus, and they want to turn her hot mess and make it a mess for Jesus. And so they say to Jesus, what should we do with her? Because the law of Moses says she should be stoned and killed. But Jesus, what do you say? It's a tricky question. It's a messy question. Because if Jesus says, yes, we should follow the law of Moses, now he's in trouble with the Roman authorities because only they can enforce the death penalty. But if Jesus says, no, 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 don't, don't put her to death, well, now he's in trouble with the Jewish leaders because now he's saying, don't follow the law of Moses. It's a messy question. And so what Jesus says is this, because he's God and he's incredible, he says this, whoever among you is without sin, throw the first stone. And then the text says he got down on the ground and starts scribbling in the dirt. And it does not tell us what he was scribbling. He was doodling, making pictures, he was writing stuff. We have no idea. So here's my guess. My guess is that Jesus was writing down their hot messes. And he knew their hot messes, the people standing around him. And he started writing them down so they could see their own sin before them. And the text says that one by one, starting with the oldest people, started leaving until it was just Jesus and this woman. And he says to her, where are your accusers? She says, they're gone, sir. He says, neither do I accuse you. Go and leave your life of sin. So another hot mess that Jesus encounters. He encounters this guy named Zacchaeus. Topper read about it. And this guy is a hot mess. He is a tax collector. But not just any tax collector. He's a tax collector for the Romans. So imagine that... Uh, Imagine you're living in France in the 1940s, and you're living under Nazi occupation. 
and one of your next door neighbors uh, speaks French and German, and so he volunteers uh, to serve as the tax officer for your village and to collect taxes for the Germans. But not only that, this guy isn't paid by the Germans. So what he does to supplement his income is he collects way more than he needs and keeps the extra. That's what Zacchaeus was doing. This guy is a hot mess. It says in the text that he climbs a tree because he's short. But the other reason he climbs a tree is that no one's going to let him through because nobody likes Zacchaeus. He's got their money. And Jesus is on the path from Jericho to Jerusalem. He's on his way to the cross. And while traveling, he just happens to look up. And he sees Zacchaeus. He says, come on down. I'm staying at your house. Imagine Billy Graham coming to the Vale Valley. Billy Graham comes to the Vale Valley, and he's walking down through Vale, you know, through the village there, and he happens to come across, I don't know, the biggest drug dealer in the valley. And Billy Graham says to him, Hey, I'm staying at your house today. That's what Jesus does. And Zacchaeus receives that grace and that presence of God. And he says, I'm giving half my money to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone, and he has, he's going to pay him back four times what he stole from them. It's another hot mess in the Bible. It's a, it's a woman. We know her as the woman at the well. She is the hottest mess in the Bible, probably. Because Jesus is talking with her at the well. And Jesus says to her, why don't you come back and bring your husband with you? And she says, sir, I have no husband. And Jesus says, you know, you're right. Uh, you've had five husbands, and the man you're with now isn't your husband. And in our day and age, someone who's been divorced five times is, is a hot mess. In Jesus' day and age, this is absolutely unheard of. And this woman, whatever name she might be called in our society today, she was absolutely called that in her society back then. And she really was looking for love in absolutely all the wrong places. She's a hot mess because of what she's done. She's a, she's a hot mess because of what's been done to her. And the shame and the guilt is huge. And Jesus engages her. He shares with her who he is. She goes back to town, the town that has ostracized her, and she says, come and see this man who's told me everything I've ever done. She, t she takes the garage door to her hot mess of her life, and she just opens it up, and she says, this guy, this guy spoke to me, and none of you would, but this guy did. They're so shocked, they come out and see who this guy is. And the whole town receives Jesus as Savior and Messiah. Jesus enters in to your mess. 
Sometimes he invites himself in. Other times he waits for your permission. Jesus enters into your mess, whatever it might be. And he's not there to organize. He's not there to manage it. He's not there to fix things around so it doesn't seem quite as bad. He's there to kill it and burn it to the ground. As the Apostle Paul put it, he says, but don't you know that all of you who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death and raised with him through baptism? You're dead to sin. How can you live it in any longer? And Jesus comes in, and this is what he does first. And this is why I love Jesus so much. He comes into your hot mess, and he doesn't say, you know, you really need to fix this. He walks into our mess of a life, and he says, you know what? I forgive you. And whatever shame there might be because of what has been done to you is eliminated. And whatever guilt there might be because of what you've done is forgiven. <laughs> and you are mine now. Because I died for you. That's what Jesus does first. When we talk about God's love being unconditional, that's what we mean. Jesus does that. And then he says, let's get to work. And he invites you to just kind of open the door. First for yourself. And then if you have to, with others. And say, where do you get rid of this? This, this garage that you can't even walk through anymore because it's such a mess. We're going to clean it out. And then he parks himself in your life. He heals your heart so that it might be broken for someone else. So when we ask the question, what breaks your heart? We ask it knowing that whatever has broken your heart in the past has been healed by Jesus. And so if you're sitting there going, man, it's still broken. When you ask the pastor, what breaks your heart? And the answer is, what breaks my heart is me. <laughs> then this year, I want to invite you to allow Jesus in and just start cleaning up. Not fixing or managing or rearranging or hiding better. <coughs> eliminating. Getting rid of so that your heart might be broken for someone else. Some other hot mess. And you enter into that life and say, I know exactly what you're going through. Let me introduce you to Jesus. Amen? Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, may guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus our Lord for life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.